we'll recommence our series in John next Sunday morning, God willing. This morning, the verse for the year, the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, Deuteronomy 33, 27. It is better in the old authorized version because it is a personal pronoun there. The eternal God is thy refuge. You, singular. And underneath are the everlasting arms. Can you say that God is your refuge and that the everlasting arms are underneath you? Not everybody can claim this promise. It's only those who have come to believe in Jesus Christ. And my longing for this year, 2023, is that every one of us will be able to say, the eternal God is my refuge, and underneath me are the everlasting arms. Uh, these are the words of Moses. At the end of his life, he is praising God. Don't you want to be doing that when you are nearing the end with his latest breath, as it were? He is giving the glory to the God of his salvation. Matthew Henry, with his last breath, he magnifies both the God of Israel and the Israel of God. No God is like the God of Israel. No people are like the Israel of God. And we, believing in Jesus Christ, have become the true children of Abraham. And you are the most happy of people, Heath Church, because the God and Father of Jesus Christ is your, is our God. That's what I want us to consider this morning. This wonderful hope. If you have it already, to realize what is true of us in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't got this hope, really, I and other believers here just long for you to come, to come and know Jesus Christ. It's good that you're in church, but being in church is not the same as being in Jesus Christ. Uh, the majority of the song has been Moses blessing each of the tribes of Israel, and then it comes to a crescendo where he's blessing the whole people of God. Underneath, God is underneath, but God is all around. We've been singing about that deep, deep love of Jesus. He's above. There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun who rides upon the heaven. He's above us. He's before us. He will thrust out the enemy from before you. He's around us. The eternal God is thy refuge, as we'll be looking in a moment. And he's underneath us. Underneath are the everlasting arms. We can't go anywhere to escape from the presence of God. It's both scary and comforting, isn't it? So all I want to do this morning is look at two things. 
The first is the where. The where. Where is our hope? The first thing that Moses tells us in this verse is that we've got somewhere to escape to. As Joseph was saying uh, in the children's talk, we are escaping from danger, like refugees, to a place of safety. And I don't have to go into much detail with the illustration that I've got of the mountain refuge huts now, because you all saw it from the outside and the inside. Doesn't look like much, does it? It's well nigh impossible to find because it's made from the same rocks as the surrounding mountain. But when you do find it, especially when it's a snowstorm, then you are mighty glad. And maybe at this moment, everything in your life is sunshine. Probably not. But once winter comes, it's different, isn't it? We realize we need a refuge. We need a shelter from the storm. And it's not just winter is coming, but winter is here. And it seems to me like the winter of our discontent again. There are strikes Inflation is sky high, like it was in the 1970s. What do you do when there are disappointments? When illness comes, a lot of people are ill at the moment. Ultimately, death. What about the uncertainties in the year ahead? Unemployment, financial hardships have you got somewhere or someone to go to a refuge a shelter from the storm and unlike the mountain refuges on Volgrach, the psalmist says god is our refuge and our help a very present help he's easy to find <laughs> you, you don't have to go far in the bible to find Jesus Christ as the refuge of sinners. In uh, the law of Moses, there was the provision, not of one, but of six cities of refuge. So if a person was guilty of manslaughter, he could flee uh, from uh, the one who was seeking his blood to a city of refuge. There were six uh, evenly distributed across the land to make them accessible. And my friend, Jesus Christ is even more accessible. You don't have to be in a certain place to find Christ. You can find Jesus Christ wherever you are. It's good that you're in church, but you don't have to be in church. I've heard of people who have found Jesus Christ in the strangest of places. And it doesn't matter what time of day it is. Uh, whenever you're uh, in the ministry, you know that a pastor is available 24-7. And how much more? Jesus Christ. We can call on him. And he delivers. So this is the first thing in terms of the where. We have somewhere to 
escape to. And if you think the storms of life are bad, there is a storm that's coming. Uh, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, he said to the people that were gathering to hear him preach, and he was a powerful preacher, but he did not pull his punches. He warned them, who has told you to flee from what? From the wrath to come. Wrath means anger. God is holy. God cannot tolerate sin. It's not God losing his temper as we tend to do. That is wrong. It is God righteously angry with sin. And at the moment, God is patient with this world. We are putting our fists up, aren't we, to God? Uh, God has created you and me. We are only alive because he has made us. Even our latest breath comes from him. But we are determined to go our own way. And God is so long-suffering toward us. But there is a day coming when God is going to say to this universe, enough is enough. And God is going to judge. And will not the judge of all the earth do right? And there's going to be a storm, my friend. The day of his wrath. And the most important thing in life is to know that we are going to be all right on that day. And that's who Jesus Christ is. He's the shelter from the storm. He's borne the brunt of the wrath of God. Think of those photos of the mountain refuge huts. The blizzard outside. Uh, the snow piling outside. Jesus Christ on the cross taking all the wrath for your sin and mine, so that sheltering in him, we are safe, not just for time, but for eternity. So that, that's the first thing in the where. We have somewhere to go to. Have you got somewhere to go to in the storms? But then, more importantly, there is something underneath us. I love this image, don't you? that we've got something underneath us. Have you ever had that sinking feeling? Maybe in the face of uh, trial, uh, you just feel yourself sinking. And it's not just that everything around you is giving way. And you just want something underneath you. That's what God is promising here. I think the tragic thing for people who are not believers is they don't have anything underneath them, and they think they do. Uh, the Bible uses a term, arm of flesh, arm of flesh. Now, that sounds strange, but what it means is human props, human props. And maybe you have come here this morning, and you're propping your life with all sorts of props, and you think you're all right. You think that the life of your house is built on rock, but actually it's sand. The first church that I pastored, Caergurle, believe it or not, it wasn't a Welsh-speaking church. It was English, with a name like that. And it had subsidence, not theological subsidence, but the ground underneath, because of mining in the past, was subsiding. And so if you'd walk in uh, to the front of the church, by the time you'd got to the back room where we prayed before the meeting, it was lower. And it was subsiding more and more every year. 
And that's what it's like if you're relying on human props as a support. They're not strong enough. And one day they're going to give way completely. Let me just go through a few props. Is this your prop, I wonder? Maybe if you're young, oh, to be young again, you're relying on youthful vigor. Let me tell you, that doesn't last. As you get older, your natural strength, it just ebbs away. And it's, it's not just post-COVID fatigue. Is anybody here relying on youthful vigor? Listen, one day you're not going to be able to rely on your natural strength. Don't you want something underneath you that's stronger than that? When you're not able to do sports anymore, don't you want something that can still sustain you? Now, in Wales, we say, but I've still got my health. Have you? I thought I still had my health until I got COVID. And then I realize we can't rely on our health. Because even if you've got your health at this moment, you're not going to have your health indefinitely. And our bodies are getting weaker, aren't they? They they really are. I met up uh, during a new year with a group of friends. Uh, Many of us were together in university in uh, the early 90s, and we hadn't seen each other for years. And it shows, doesn't it? (laughs) We're all getting older. Our bodies, it's not just our energies that are ebbing away, but our bodies are getting uh, frailer. We're more prone to catch illnesses And some of you, I know you've got chronic conditions, and I wouldn't wish that upon you or anybody. And it just shows us we can't rely on our health. And one day we'll catch whatever disease it is that will take us to the grave. So if you're saying, I've still got my health, don't rely on that. Don't. Some people, I don't know if this is true in 2023, say, well, things are all right with me. I'm financially successful. Well, many people are not relying anymore on uh, financial security. Uh, The cost of mortgages is going up. Uh, What I'm trying to say is all these things that we might have relied on before... They are now unstable, are they not? Uh, Maybe there are people who will say, but I'm not on my own. I've got support of family, and I'm not belittling that in a way. Yes, that's right. I've got the support of friends. But in the end, even they will fail us, won't they? And you can't depend completely on another human being, however much they may love you, because they are weak themselves. So whatever your prop this morning, family, friends, even church, you can't depend on church to save you. You can't. Eventually, all of those things will give way. And when we think of the geopolitics, the war in the Ukraine, we don't know what may happen in the future. Listen to Charles Haddon Spurgeon. There are times of trial 
those storms when we have to fall back upon something deeper and more reliable. Earthly props eventually give way and we need superior sustaining power. That's what we've got, my friends, in Jesus Christ. Superior sustaining power. Have you got it? Now let's look at the second point. The what. What is this support, this superior sustaining power? Well, the answer is very simple. The everlasting arms. What's this? It's anthropomorphic language. What does that mean? It means using human terms to describe God. God hasn't got literal arms. But there are characteristics of God that are like human arms. So when the Bible talks about the arm of the Lord, what does it mean most of the time? When it talks about God stretching out his arm, it means God saving a people. Moses had been used of God to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt. What was that? That was God extending his arm of salvation and rescuing his people from Egyptian bondage and leading them through the wilderness and they're about to be led into the promised land. Uh, let me read early on in Deuteronomy. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. And the first support we all need is that of salvation. This is what we're about as a church. Every Sunday morning, we are being reminded of the need to be saved. So can I ask, are you leaning completely on the arms of the Lord in terms of salvation? We've got to start there. This promise wonderful though it is, is not going to apply to us unless we are trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation. Uh, there's a lovely verse in Romans chapter 4, and it puts it like this, to him that works not, but believes. Believing is the opposite of working. I was brought up attending chapel every Sunday morning, I would wear scratchy, formal clothes. Didn't like that. And I'd be on my best behavior for an hour. Have to sit in chapel. It was so boring. Not a gospel church. And then I looked forward to leaving chapel because I could enjoy the rest of the day. And there are people, and maybe it's you, you're going to chapel or you're trying to do good works in order to earn salvation. You're trying to work, work. I've got to be good enough to be accepted of God. But faith isn't working. What is faith? To him that worketh not, but believes in him. What is it to believe in this context? It's surely to abandon ourselves in terms of our salvation to Jesus Christ. It's to say, I can't save myself, but God alone justifies the ungodly. Uh, have you ever heard of this game that they play, this game of trust? I, I don't know if they do it uh, in business. Um, maybe we should start doing it. Uh, but if you have a person standing behind you, do you trust them 
enough to fall back and that they will hold you. How, how many people would you trust to hold you? Can I ask seriously, are you trusting Jesus Christ, those arms of salvation, to hold you? I am trusting thee. What does the hymn say? I am trusting thee, Lord Jesus. Trusting only thee, trusting thee for full salvation, great and free. The Welsh translation of that hymn says, I'm depending on you, Lord, like uh, doing a backstroke swimming. You just fall into the water and let the water do the rest. So there is the arm of salvation to him that worketh not. What I'm trying to say is we don't work salvation on our part because Christ has done it. We don't contribute anything to salvation because Christ, by his perfect life as our substitute, by his atoning death, did everything. 100%. What did, uh, what was his name? Jonah realize in the belly of the whale. What did Jonah say? In the darkness, in the stinking belly of the whale, God had brought Jonah right down. God had removed every prop from the life of the prophet. And what did Jonah finally realize? Salvation is of the Lord. Has God brought you there? That, that's what conviction of sin does. We're all convicted to different degrees. But every person needs enough conviction of sin to bring them to the point where they abandon all hope of saving themselves. And they say, salvation is of Christ. And I'm mighty glad. On this alone my hope depends. Jesus lived and died for me. Is that your support? The arm of salvation. Let's hurry through uh, because we've got communion. What else does the Bible mean when it talks of the everlasting arms? And incidentally, salvation is everlasting. I remember meeting one person. I'm sure he was a Christian but he was converted about eight or nine times <laughs> because the poor chap would believe in Jesus Christ and then a few months later he would fall into some sin and he would think, I'm not properly saved. So he would come and believe again. Now, of course, that is our experience. We're going to be up and down. But that's not our salvation. Our salvation is constant because Jesus Christ on the cross took the punishment for our sin. He drank the cup of the wrath of God so he can't be drunk again. You can't pay the punishment a second time. The sentence is never going to be revoked when God pronounces a person not guilty. That person is eternally saved. Eternal arms. The arm of salvation. Let me just hurry through a few other things. The main point here isn't the arm of salvation. It's the arm of supports. The arm of supports. Are you on sinking sand at the moment? Is your life causing things to give way all around you? Well, you're able to say, on Christ the solid rock, I stand present tense not only has he saved me but he is saving me he is 
Uh, think of Moses early on in his life. Remember him praying, praying for Joshua in the battle. And what was happening to Moses' arms? They were getting weary. If you ever had COVID, I don't know if you had this when you had COVID, your arms were so weak. Just lifting, uh, uh, I don't know, just lifting a chair would uh, take it out of you. Think of our arms. We're never going to sustain uh, ourselves, are we? Uh, Moses needed Aaron and her to hold up his arms. But Moses says here, I found other arms. Even Aaron and her's arms would grow tired. But I found other arms that never grow weary. The arms of God. He is supporting me. Don't you feel yourself getting weaker and weaker as the years go by? My friend, you're never going to go weaker than the everlasting arms. They're still going to be underneath you. Don't you fear sometimes that you're sinking, that you're going to fall into some sin? Well, even if that happens, you're never going to fall further than the everlasting arms. Spurgeon, again, it is delightful to feel that our feebleness impinges upon omnipotence. Do you feel like that this morning? I'm so feeble, Pastor. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, but my faith, oh, it's like hanging on by the skin of one's teeth. I say, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Because there's a grip underneath you that is holding on to you. And that's all that counts. We need not fear falling because the everlasting arms are going to be underneath. When all around my soul gives way, and God allows that to happen, he then, can you say that? Jesus is then all my hope and Stay. It takes an illness sometimes for us to learn that lesson. And in the end, when we come to die, there was an article in the Times yesterday. It was scary reading. A man in his late 40s had lost two or three of his friends in the last year. And he came across a statistic which said one in 14 male deaths are under 65 years old. Isn't that scary? What is it going to be like when I will have to die? We don't know when our time will come, when you will have to die. Uh, I don't want to be glib because death is the last enemy. And even though Jesus Christ has conquered death for those who trust in him, the process of dying is still horrible. I'm reminded of the passage in Pilgrim's Progress where Christian and Hopeful come to the river of death. The river Jordan is a picture of death in the Bible. And poor Christian is sinking, he's sinking. He feels that there's nothing underneath him. And then he has Hopeful saying to him, listen to this, I've got the quote here. I sink in deep waters. The billows go over my head. The waves are going over my head. All the waves go over me. Then Hopeful says... Be of good cheer. It's all right, my brother. I feel the bottom. And it is good. I feel the bottom. And it is good. Do you know what the bottom is? I am the resurrection and the life, said Jesus. 
He that believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Jesus, the death defeater. My friend, if you haven't got Jesus Christ as your support this morning, you've got nothing. You've got nothing. Let the prospect of death scare you even to believe in Jesus Christ. And then I haven't got time. I don't think I've got energy either. <laughs> I haven't got that uh, eternal energy. Who has? But what else are arms used by us and it's true of God? These everlasting arms. What, what do you use your arms? Mums, dads, what do you use your arms for with your children? To embrace them? To give them a kutch? Is that what you say, kutch? We say kutch, don't we, in Wales? To give them a kutch. Do you know what? Jesus Christ, he laid hold of us when we were sinners, when we were filthy. When Jesus was on earth, he touched lepers. That was unheard of. This is grace, my friends. Mother Teresa, when she ministered to the lepers in Calcutta, she would hug them. She was showing them the love of Jesus Christ. Samuel Rutherford, when he was in prison, said, don't worry, this prison is a palace because I've known the embraces, the kisses of the Savior. What a thought. May Jesus Christ embrace us. And this church, we are not judging the world. I've preached on sin this morning. I've preached on the wrath of God. But... We don't stop at that. Jesus Christ is the hope. The hope of the helpless. What did Wesley say? The arms of love that have compassed me would all mankind embrace. We want to tell you, if you're not a Christian this morning, we want to tell you we're not holier than thou. We're not a group of religious do-gooders. We're a bunch of sinners who've found Jesus Christ as our refuge and have found him as our support, and we want you to have the same hope. That's what we're about. That's why we have a warm bank. That's why we have people outside the church on a Saturday. That's why we have our youth meetings. That's why we go door to door. We want Jesus Christ to be lifted and for you to find hope in him. What else do we use our arms for? We use our arms to defend, don't we? Uh, think of uh, people uh, doing um, uh, Eastern uh, self-defense. Uh, think of how they use their arms. God is our defender. The good shepherd, the verse this morning, he protects his people. God said through Zechariah, whoever touches you touches the apple of mine eye. Doesn't it feel great to have Jesus Christ as our older brother? I never had an older brother. Well, if you've got an older brother, he'll sort out those people who may be giving you a hard time in school or something. What else do we use our arms for? I'm really rushing through these things. We use our arms to lift up, don't we? Do you lift up people or do we drag one another down? I think it's one of my New Year's resolutions every day to try and make somebody's day. <laughs> I don't know if that'll be possible, but 
Why do we always drag people down? May, may we lift one another. May we... Those arms, they've lifted us up, haven't they? Do you know what the journey of the Christian is? If you're not a Christian, your journey is downwards, my friend. Down to hell. But the Christian isn't going downwards, it's upwards. As one hymnist says, the sky, not the grave, is our goal. Each birthday is an onwards and upwards celebration for the Christian. And do you know what? One day, those arms will lift us up to glory. And the word for refuge here, apparently, isn't a shelter, just, but a home. And you know what? We're going home. We're going to our forever home. When a Christian dies, it's a change of address. And what an address. My address at the moment in Cardiff is a flat, a one-bedroom apartment. It's very nice. But one day, I'm going to exchange that to a mansion. I grew up in a mansion, believe it or not. I did. I grew up in a mansion. It was a special school for boys with behavioral problems. I wasn't a pupil in it, but my dad was head teacher. So I had the privilege of living in a mansion. But it'll be nothing like the mansion that Jesus is preparing for his people in glory. Well, I've gone on for long enough. This is the verse for the year. The eternal God is thy singular refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Is that true of you? If not, why not? And if it is, let's rejoice in him. And let's do that now before we come to communion by singing together, Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. While the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is nigh. Hide me, O my Saviour, hide, till the storm of life be past, and then, safe into the haven guide, O receive my soul at last. 514.